0: All right, Alexander. Let's uh, talk about these documents, position papers that uh, the Chinese Foreign Ministry has uh, has published. We have the Global Security Initiative Concept Paper, concept paper, and then kind of underneath that, you have uh, another paper with the title "U.S. Hegemony and Its Perils." Makes for an interesting read. Uh, what's what's your take on these uh, papers?
1: Well, they're an extraordinary read. I mean, the the, the Chinese the, the, the global security concept paper. I think we can, to some extent, disregard because it flows from the other. What what the Chinese are doing is they're now accepting that they're in an adversarial relationship with the United States. I mean, this is now, it seems to me, a formal statement from China. These papers are a formal statement from China that there are now two poles in the world again. There's the American and there's the Chinese. The Chinese say the Americans conduct foreign policy this way. The Chinese say we conduct foreign policy in a different way. And that's what the concept paper is all about. The more interesting one and the easier one to read and the more, shall we say, colourful and vivid one is the one in which they discuss U.S. hegemony. And I have to say it's astonishing. I mean, it is an absolute attack, uh, a frontal assault on U.S. foreign policy and the way it's conducted. Now... Straight away, I have to say, I agree with, you know, most of us here on the Iran would agree with an awful lot of what's there. I mean, they say straight away that the United States uh, disregards international law. It's very critical of this concept of the rules-based international order. It says that this is an attempt to demolish international law. It says that the U.S. instigates wars. It interferes in the internal affairs of other countries. It doesn't accept that other countries have a right to develop in their own way. It tries to remodel their political systems. It engages in colour revolutions. And it gives a whole list of countries where there have been colour revolutions. It um, says that the United States is extremely warlike. It calls the United States the most warlike of all countries... It catalogues various U.S. military interventions. It um, also talks about U.S. economic um, abuse, if you like, the, the abuse the United States makes of its economic position, its manipulation of the dollar system to its own advantage. It talks about the U.S. looting most of the world, you know, for its own benefit. It talks about how the United States tries to um, prevent other countries' technological development. It gives an example of Japan in the 1980s. It says that the United States is trying to do the same thing to China as well. And in some ways, for me, the most interesting section, I say interesting because it's new coming from the Chinese, is that there's a whole section about how the united states is trying to spread its own value system through um, culture through media through social media through films and the way that this is immensely disruptive of um values and traditions in other countries and it's ultimately uh, um you know corrupting to those systems So there's extraordinary paper actually but Let's take a step back because we've heard all of this from someone else and the person we've heard it from is Vladimir Putin. I mean, if you think about this, this is very, very similar to the critique that Vladimir Putin, I wouldn't say similar, I'd say it's identical to the critique that Vladimir Putin has been making of US policy now for several years. He even attended, if you remember, uh, a, a Davos, uh, a session at Davos about two years ago. And in front of people like Klaus Schwab, he made, made all these kind of attacks. He's talked about unipolarity, the U.S. quest for, for Germany. He's been doing that ever since the 2007 uh, uh, Munich Security Conference, where he delivered that famous speech with um, Senator McCain fuming in the front row. Um, so, what we now see is that the Chinese have wholesale accepted the America, the Russian critique of U.S. foreign policy, um, of the globalist policy, globalist foreign policy as well, because that also plays a part of that, but they particularly focus it on the United States. So what we suddenly have, what we now have, and it's very straightforward, is a complete conceptual, even ideological convergence between the Chinese and the Russians about, fo- about foreign policy. The Chinese are now saying we're against um, American exceptionalism, against what the neocons are doing, and though the Chinese still sometimes pretend that they are supporters of globalisation, it's difficult to read this position paper and not feel that they've accepted again the Russian view that globalisation is a bad thing. The kind of globalisation that Klaus Schwab and some people in the West have been promoting from a Russian From a Chinese point of view and a Russian point of view, it's now a bad thing. So we now have the Chinese converging with the Russians as they decide that, from their point of view, the United States is an adversary. It's almost, if you like, the enemy. And they're part now of this partnership with the Russians Pushing back against all of
0: these things. Okay, so the the Chinese obviously they understand that that if things go go badly for Russia with this uh, conflict in Ukraine and Russia's eventually, um, let's say, balkanized by uh, by Newland and Sullivan, uh, Blinken. Biden, the, the plan to to get regime change in Russia and balkanized and balkanized Russia with the defeat in Ukraine. The Chinese understand that that they're next, so that could that's that's one way to explain this this paper. But another way to look at this paper is to look at at the at the Chinese as saying, you know, Russia is is winning, and the the 80% of the global south has not moved away from from Russia's position in this conflict with the collective west and so the time is right for us now as china as the big the big partner in this in this new new system that's being set up now is the time for us to assert ourselves and say here we are we're we're here This is our position. This is what we offer the world. Who's who who, who wants to to try out this new way of doing things? I I, I guess the question to, to you is. China would not be coming out with this paper if they didn't understand that things are going very well, not only for Russia, but in the war, not only for Russia in the war, but also in terms of of, of the sanctions, of, of the economic war, of of uh, of moving away from the U.S. dollar, of in energy, I mean, I think they they feel comfortable with the situation, yes. so that they can now come out and say, "Here we are, and, and we're, we're we're the leader of this new this new system, or we're or we're going to take the lead in, in this new system." I- exactly this
1: is exactly what it is now can i just say first of all let's talk about the first point uh, about ukraine let's specifically talk about ukraine which is not really you know this is a much bigger thing than just ukraine but wang yi who is now in overall charge of chinese foreign policies in moscow he's had a whole succession of meetings he's met Petrushev, who's the head of the security council very powerful man Putin's national security advisor, the man who's also in overall charge of Russian, the Russian intelligence community. He had a very, very big session with Lavrov, and he's also met Putin himself. And we know that part of the purpose of his visit to Moscow is to prepare the ground for Xi Jinping's visit to Moscow, which is now expected at some point next month. So Xi Jinping is heading to Moscow. Now, over the course of all of these meetings, there was a discussion between Lavrov and Wang Yi. And we've only got one readout so far. It's very sketchy. And it comes from the Russian Foreign Ministry. But it said that the Chinese and the Russians agree about what was the root cause of the Ukrainian conflict. So that means, if we follow it through, That the chinese also agree with the russians about what caused the ukrainian conflict because the russians have set it out in enormous amounts of detail now given that that is so and given that as you absolutely rightly say the chinese understand that this is a neocon project and that the neocons if they manage to succeed in ukraine would move on to come after china once they've broken up fragmented pulped (laughs) russia impose their own kind of system on russia the chinese are not going to let that happen and i think this is the thing people now need to understand if the u.s goes on escalating in ukraine the chinese for the moment want to keep their distance they don't want to be seen visibly sending arms to ukraine but if they go on escalating to the point where it really looks as if the Russians might get into trouble, the Chinese will will step in, and they will not allow Russia to be defeated in Ukraine because it has now become a matter of vital strategic interest to the Chinese that the Russians and, that the Russians don't lose. Now that's an important point to, to understand, but it's come out clearly both from Wang Yi's visit and from what is contained in all of these position papers. So that's the first thing to say. But the second thing, and it's the second point that you were making, is actually the more important one. Because why have the Chinese come out with all these things now? They've come out with all of these things now for exactly the reason that you say. They feel they can because the drift of world opinion is in their favor. It's moving towards these positions, which Putin very courageously outlined years ago, but they're obviously now gaining increasing traction around the world. We're seeing this currently at the current UN General Assembly session, where it seems the West is having great trouble Putting together a, a, um, a resolution, a General Assembly resolution, um, critical of Russia over Ukraine, what we're hearing is that it's been basically stripped of all substance. <laughs> but even that is apparently having problems getting traction there. So the Chinese see that they see that global opinion is turning against the US. That the Saudis are drifting away from the US, that the Brazilians refuse to get involved in the war in Ukraine, that Mexico is speaking out, that the African leaders are siding with the Russians, that everybody seems to be increasingly exasperated with the neocons and with the Americans and with the uh, EU, which is, of course, um, the neocons willing accomplice. And the Chinese are saying, this is our moment we are far and away the most powerful country that is rivaling the us this is our moment this is the moment when we can come out say to the world straightforwardly this is what america the neocons in america how they conduct foreign policy and we are your champion we will stand with you all around the world as you resist it. And we've come up with our alternative foreign policy, our alternative vision of the world, which is all, of course, about cooperation and friendship and respecting international law and respecting the rights of countries to choose their own destinies and is opposed to interference in internal affairs and all of those things. So you see that the Chinese sense that this is their moment and they're seizing it.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is the real war. I mean, what's yeah. happening in Ukraine is, to me, is is a battle in this larger war, which is the the movement from from a unipolar, uh, neoliberal, globalist world order to, to something else, or, or at least, at least having the option to have something else. Doesn't mean the one goes away, but at least now you're going to have a different system that. Uh, that other countries, specifically countries in the global south, maybe even NATO members like Turkey, maybe even EU members like Hungary, they can they can look at this alternative system and they can say this is this is interesting. Maybe yeah. I'll 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 look further into into the way they're doing things and look into their organizations and the way they the way they provide financing or the way they. They can help out on an economic level, or on a trade level, or even on a military level. So, I mean, it's it does provide a new alternate, uh, system for 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 a lot of the countries uh, in the world that that up until today were stuck with just one player, and that was this this neoliberal globalist thing. And so that that brings me to to what I consider to be one of the biggest lies of the conflict in Ukraine, which is that Russia is isolated. And I think that China now has kind of blown apart that lie. And I think this explains a lot of the the panicked moves that we've seen from the collective West over the last couple of weeks. It explains these red line warnings to China, I think it explains the Biden trip to, to Kiev and the weird speech that he gave in Poland. Because I, I, I'm i seeing the, the collective West, they're very afraid of, of people waking up, especially in, in Europe or the United States, and just kind of saying, you know, is Russia really that isolated? Because it seems like China is with them. And not only is China with them, it seems like this whole new system is is being built maybe we're the ones that are isolated maybe it's our leaders that have isolated us maybe they're the ones that are uh, taking us down the wrong path or down a more isolated path I, I i just feel like these statements this this paper out of china is is blowing apart this whole you know russia's isolated there are no other options left for Russia. The whole world is with us, and and this is this is this is the reality that 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 we want all of our people to to understand. And you know, now China's coming out and they're saying, no, we're we're actually 100 percent with Russia, and with us comes everybody else. Like we're gonna take everybody along with us.
1: Right. Let's see, deal with both points. The first point that you made about some um some countries, even within the Western system, being attracted to this? Absolutely. You mentioned Hungary? Definitely. I mean, notice that Orbán didn't did uh, didn't go and meet Biden. <laughs> I mean, he, he actually stayed away. I mean, he chose to stay away. I mean, Turkey... I mean, whatever happens in Turkey, 70% of people in Turkey now apparently regard Russia as a friend. So I do think that's going to change. So Turkey... Also, many countries, other countries in the Balkans as well, you know, you can see that it's going to be attractive to more and more, in more and more places. I mean, in Italy, I mean, all, all sorts of places in Europe, you could see that this might be attractive too. And you are absolutely right. This is the single thing that has spooked the West, perhaps most of all. Three things have happened over the course of this conflict. Firstly, there's been the military side. We've discussed this exhaustively. It's not going well, but in some ways that's the least important. The second was the sanctions. This weapon that the West has deployed in so many places and which has levelled whole economies and destroyed entire countries. And Russia has withstood the sanctions. And that spooked them because, of course, if they lose that their sanctions weapon loses effectiveness, and their most powerful coercive weapon in international relations um, has gone. But third, and this is the thing that scares the most, it's now clear that global opinion is moving away. Um, The expectation was, the assumption was, right at the start of this conflict, that they'd be able to paint the Russians as the aggressors in Ukraine. Russia has launched this invasion of Ukraine. Russia is the aggressor. Russia has broken international law. You know, they always discover international law when it suits them, so they talk about international law. Um, And they assumed that they'd be able to rally the world around Russia, isolate Russia, break it economically, defeat it militarily. And, of course, what's happened... Uh, is the opposite not only is russia not isolated not only is most of the world openly sympathetic to the russians as it sees that the russians are facing not really ukraine at all but the collective west behind it but it's acting as a catalyst it's making more and more countries around the world openly critical and rebellious against the globalist system. And that has spooked them. I mean you only have to look at some of what you know the, the newspapers, the media articles that are appearing in some Western newspapers now, to see how unsettled they are by this. The fact that as I said, instead of them instead of them isolating Russia, they've become isolated instead. That they have these meetings with it, with leaders and officials from um, the global south, and instead of being, you know, listened to with awe and agreement, what they find instead is that the global south just shakes its head, tells them you're absolutely wrong, or you've gone mad, or you've taken leave of your senses, and that we're with the Russians on this. And this has really, really spooked the West. It was not what they expected. Remember, when Biden came in, he was talking about this League of Democracies that he was going to create against the League of Autocracies. He even held a big summit about that. He invited all sorts of countries, including countries like Angola, for example, which is not perhaps meets some people's definition of a democracy. And they all turned up and they all listened. And it was clearly an attempt to create dividing lines and to isolate the Chinese and the Russians and it's turning out otherwise. And as I said, this is not what they expected. This is not how they thought it would turn out. But it's what's happening. And at the moment, they don't know what to do and how to respond. Can I just finish with one particular thing? I mean, if you remember you go back in history, during the Second World War, the United States and Britain, Churchill and Roosevelt, came up with the Atlantic Charter, which was their manifesto of what the world ought to be like once the uh, um, other side, the Axis powers, had been defeated. And it, the, the, the Atlantic Charter eventually led to this foundation of the United Nations and to all sorts of other things that followed. Well, a couple of Months ago, about a year ago, shortly after Biden was elected, Boris Johnson and Joe Biden came up with their revised Atlantic Charter. And that notice has vanished without trace. Nobody is interested. Nobody around the world cares. Even the media now in the US and Britain don't refer to this preposterous document. What we're now getting from the Chinese and the Russians, but the Chinese obviously now taking the lead, is, if you like, their counter. But it is in tune with the spirit of the times, which what Biden and Johnson were putting together was not. So this is going to gain traction. And what the Biden-Johnson-Atlantic Charter thing as I said, that's vanishing without trace. And that, perhaps more than anything else, is a sign of how much on the defensive, the the globalists, the neocons, all that assortment of frightful people, now, now found themselves to be.
0: Well, that's because they don't have any... Any plan? They don't have any any solutions to anything. They don't provide any any type of alternative uh, viewpoints of things. I mean, you know, you listen to a Biden speech, and I think he said the name Putin something like ten or twelve times. They're completely fixated on 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 Russia, Putin, and and this defeat in Ukraine. Completely obsessed with it, and even even this obsession doesn't have a real plan there's nothing no. there's nothing really to 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 analyze or to discuss or, or or to really grab hold of it's just these canned lines that they put together in a speech and they just talk about how putin's bad putin's evil putin's an autocrat uh ukraine's going ri- to win ukraine's gonna be victorious and freedom democracy for all i mean there's th- that that is that's that's their speech this is an unprovoked war and we're going to to defend Ukraine for as long as it takes. Yes. Okay. They've exactly. been saying You're this at- now for for six months, and yes, and, and there's nothing there. There's there's nothing yep. to to grab hold of, yep. and and that's it. <sighs> and, and I think the whole world is realizing this. The whole world's kind of like end. Yeah. I mean, they're listening to Biden. They're saying end, no. and then they listen to hey. a Putin speech or, or or Wang Yi speak, and they're like, okay, they. I may not agree with the ideas, but. Their ideas. I may not agree with the vision, but it's a vision. Interesting plan that that he has there. I mean there's there's something there's something to to go off of.
1: Absolutely. I mean the, what what the West is doing, what the Biden administration, let's just talk about the Biden administration, they're coming across as angry and obsessed, and ultimately destructive. And this is by the way what the Chinese have honed in on. They say, look at US foreign policy today, it is destructive. We are constructive. We are providing you with a plan for you, a plan that might work for you. You might be completely cynical about this. I think most people around the world, you know, are not fools. I mean, they can see this. They understand that the Chinese are promoting their own self interests, But nonetheless, they see a, a country, a power, a great power, and they see that with the Russians too, which is coming across as full of ideas, full of proposals for the way forward, constructive ideas. They don't talk in, you know, hysterical language. They're full of facts. They have facts at their fingertips. You know, Putin's speech pours out facts, statistics, ideas, proposals, suggestions, plans. And as I said, what they get from the United States, I have to say this, it sounds like the... Uh, the fixations of a very angry old man <laughs> in
0: a hurry, by the way, and uh, the Europeans just as bad. The Europeans are empty. I mean, they they, they look worse because they're they following this. <laughs> yeah, they're following yeah. This, uh, this 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 crazy guy who's angry all the time. And and what the world sees, what the eighty percent of the world sees, the global south is they see. Emotional hysteria and panic. Yes, and no one likes yes. that. No one no. wants to. Fo- no one wants to follow someone who's emotional and angry and panicked all the time. And, and, and I think they're just sick of the whole Putin this, Putin that, Putin this, Putin. I mean, ev- everyone's gotten tired of it. Yes, but the neocons Every- that are running the show, they haven't gotten gotten the memo. I mean, they're they're still well, they're still they, driving they can, home at this, and they send by Bi- and they well, send Biden to Poland to to give the same old tired speech.
1: Yes, they can't let it go. I mean, I have to say, I mean, I am, I find it very difficult to understand what the purpose of that trip was actually. Uh, Both the one to Ukraine and the one to Poland. I mean, he didn't say anything. Really, whilst he was there, except as you said, all the all the old cliches and angry words that you know we've heard so many times before. Um, there's even a cartoon, by the way, about this in the London Times, in which you know you have JFK, you know, about in Berlin, <laughs> Reagan, you know, bring Mr. Gorbachev, bring down this wall, and you see, you know, Biden, just looking angry and vacant and not really saying anything very much. So that's even in the London Times they've noticed this. So, uh, and that is exactly what the world sees. And people are tired with this obsession and this, frankly, irrational hatred of this one individual, Putin, and his country. And the problem is that the neocons, like obsessive people always, won't let it go. Because obsessive people never give up on their obsessions they can't they can't give up on their obsessions they can't give up on their plans
0: because if they did, they wouldn't be neocons anymore yeah so so this is the the moment in history this past couple of days where China has become the uh, the leader of this of this yeah. new system. I mean this is this is historic. And I think it's a system that that the U.S. can't, the U.S. and Europe can't can't compete against. I mean, they'll compete to a certain extent, but they they, they can't win a China Russia alliance. They'll never call it an alliance, Russia or China. They'll never call it that, but that's what it is. And then if you throw in the other BRICS BRIC nations, you throw in India and Brazil and South Africa. And you have Iran coming in and Saudi Arabia and possibly Turkey and possibly Argentina. You you have all these countries now um, coming into the system. This is this is catastrophic for for the United States. And it was accelerated by the Joe Biden White House. I mean, they did this to themselves. And the worst part about it is that the United States has to go up against this system that China and Russia are leading, specifically China's leading, while they have to take care of Europe. Europe isn't isn't a, a partner that's going to add up, that's going to add to to no. the to the competition. They're going to drag the U.S. down because Europe yes. has nothing to offer the U.S. China has something to offer. Russia, Russia has something to offer China, even though China is much more powerful yes. on, on multiple levels. Maybe not militarily, but on all the other levels, all the other metrics. It's uh, it's it's the it's the larger partner in this in this relationship. But they both have something to offer each other as, as they go up against this globalist, the globalist neoliberal order. But the United States and, and, e, and the EU is, I mean, yes, American citizens have now been been saddled with this deindustrialized European Union, which is going to offer nothing to the United yes. States. It's, it's just going to be dragging the U.S. down. I completely agree with that. I mean, this is the thing I've, I, you know,
1: I, I've said before I mean, that there is this view that you know, uh, you know, strengthen the U.S. economy at the expense of Germany's. Get all the Germans to relocate their factories in the U.S. I, I mean, I, I, I have never really gone along with this. I mean, in the in in its great days during the Cold War the United States worked to strengthen its allies. It it, it supported Europe economically so that Europe could take off economically. I mean, whereas it supported it. I mean, I didn't mean it just subsidised. It understood that a strong Europe was in its interests because that gave its alliance system critical mass. Now, when the United States is, relatively speaking, in a weaker position than it was in its heyday, in the 1940s and 1950s and early 1960s, when you know, it accounts for a much smaller share of the world economy than it did then, instead of letting its partners, its, its allies in Europe also become strong, it's become destructive towards them. So that instead of these allies adding value to the alliance with the United States, they're going to become a burden on the United States. But again, that is what the neocons do. The the neocons are never constructive. They are always destructive. They're destructive towards the US's alliances alliance systems. They're destructive towards US outreach towards other countries, third countries, they've destroyed any possibility of, you know, the US developing a good stable relationship with Russia, which might've kept it distanced from China. They're doing the same now with China, you know, China now is prioritizing its relationship with Russia. Because, as you absolutely rightly say, they have no plan. The only plans they have are destructive ones, and they're working against the United States.
0: Yeah. All right. Um, any other final thoughts, or should we wrap it up?
1: No, I mean, I think this is a pivotal moment. I mean, this isn't something that people have, um, you know, fully grasped. But it was already remarkable how Wang Yi dominated the Munich Security Conference Basically, by just being there. People weren't interested in what Kamala Harris had to say. Everybody wanted to know what Wang Yi had to say. Everybody was lining up to speak to him. And at the same time, absolutely spooked by whatever he said. And, you know, he said very little. And when he did speak, he spoke in very, very polite ways. But nonetheless, they were scared. They're nervous. They've never been more nervous. And... It is a pivotal moment. It's one that's crystallising. The change that's happening. And it is accelerating. And you're absolutely right. You want to see why. You want to understand why. You're an American and you want to understand why it's happening so fast. Look no further than at the White House. The person who is there in the Oval Office and the team around him. The, the This this. Terrible gaggle of ideologues and neocons who have captured control of the foreign policy of America.
0: Yeah. All right. The TheDurant.locals.com. We are on Rockfin as well. And go to the Durant shop. 10% off. Use the code. Good day. Take care.